the Gospel of John, chapter number 4, beginning at verse number 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. And he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Jesus said it, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. I'm going to preach for a little while tonight. And I hope the Holy Ghost will meet us one more time, and it's a little while. It'll take the Holy Ghost for me to preach a little while. I want to preach, I'll see it when I believe it. I'll see it when I believe it. Not I'll believe it when I see it. But I'll see it when I believe it. Lord, I need your anointing. Thank you for meeting us here. Lord, you know I didn't want to preach tonight. I feel like you told me to. And so, God, I pray that you meet us one more time. I pray for the gift of faith to be released over this congregation tonight. That every spirit of doubt and unbelief would be broken by the power of the Word of God and by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, have your way. Meet us. Speak to us. Move on us. Show us your glory, God. Lord, let it be done in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. Give the Lord a praise tonight as you're being seated. By the time that Jesus died on the cross, he was famous in Israel. The stories of his miracles, signs, and wonders and his preaching had spread from Samaria to Judea to Galilee and all points in between. But in John chapter number 4, that was not yet the case. To this point, Jesus had only done one miracle, turning the water into wine at a wedding in the village of Cana. 
the fame of Jesus had not yet spread far and wide. He was not well known. Neither was he easily recognized. As a baby, shepherds beheld him. As a toddler, wise men brought him gifts. At 12 years old in the temple, he amazed the experts of the scripture. But for the last 18 years, Jesus had lived in the obscurity of a small and unremarkable city named Nazareth. There's really nothing known about those years from 12 years old to 30. We know that at some point he had siblings that were born into his family. We surmise that his earthly father Joseph died at some point in that time frame for he was never mentioned again. But really, other than some surmising and deductions, there are no details about those 18 silent years of the life of Jesus Christ. He lived those years in a world that was shaped by Greek thought. Though Rome was the political and military power, Greek culture dominated writing, entertainment, thought. The Greek philosophers Aristotle, Socrates, Plato, and others shaped the thought patterns of society. So pervasive was Greek culture and thought that the New Testament was written in the common Greek of the day. By the time that Jesus walked the earth, the legacy of Greece was already solidified. The Greeks' religion believed that it was through the senses that humans made connection between the external world and the internal world. As Aristotle is quoted in the opening of metaphysics, he said, for not only with the view to action, but even when we are not going to do anything, we prefer seeing to everything else. The reason is that this most of all the senses makes us know and brings light to many differences between things. Greek thought is that seeing is more important than everything else. If you see it, you know it. Aristotle's view that seeing is most important became a bedrock of Greek philosophy. And the thought pattern ruled the day that the New Testament was written in. This led to the idiom that is common today. Seeing is... I didn't have to finish it, did I? Seeing is believing. The Greeks were a visual people. They believed in the power of seeing so much that they painted eyes on their ships believing that somehow it would guide them and protect them. The Greek verb ido relates to seeing and knowing. To see something is to know something. To see something is to believe in something. This conviction that seeing is believing was the bedrock of Aristotle's contribution to modern science. He was the father of the scientific method. Observe, watch, see, apply logic and reason, make deductions and conclusions. The scientific method based on observation, on seeing, has been foundational to technological advances through the ages. 
By the time that Jesus came, the general attitude was, I'll believe it when I see it. This was the cultural mindset passed to the world from the Greek philosophers. It was programmed into the mind. It most notably shows itself in the story of Thomas and the resurrection of Christ. At Jesus' first appearance to the disciples, Thomas was not with them. When Thomas returned to the group, the disciples told him that they had seen the resurrected Savior. And Thomas famously said, if I don't see it for myself, I won't believe it. I don't know where Thomas was when Jesus first appeared to the other disciples. The Bible doesn't tell us where he was or what he was doing. The Bible simply says that Thomas was not there. His absence from the fellowship of Christians nearly caused him to miss completely the most important knowledge that one could ever have. That knowledge that Jesus is resurrected from the grave and Jesus is alive. Because he was absent, he missed the revelation. He missed the appearance. He didn't feel how they felt when they saw Jesus walk into the room. He didn't see what they saw when they opened their eyes and saw the Messiah that had been laid in a grave a few days before walking into the room with their own eyes. They didn't, he didn't hear what the other disciples heard as Jesus opened his mouth and said, My peace I give to you. He missed the entire experience because Thomas was absent when Jesus came into the room. When Thomas finally shows back up, he's not in sync with the other disciples. They had a fresh revelation of Jesus, but Thomas had missed it. They had a fresh word from Jesus, but Thomas had missed it. They had a fresh vision of Jesus, but Thomas didn't see it. They had a fresh faith that came from being in the presence of a resurrected Savior. And Thomas had none of that because Thomas was absent when the Lord moved into the room. The disciples had a perception of the world that was given by Jesus himself, by his presence, by his word. Thomas had a perception of the world passed on to him from the prevailing philosophy of the day. If I don't see it, I won't believe it. John 20 and 24. But Thomas, one of the 12, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Unless I see it, I won't believe it. In this moment, Thomas was more like his culture than he was his church. And so it is with people who are too absent from the presence of God that their thought processes become adopted by the culture rather than by the Christ. They begin to think more culturally than they do Christian when they miss the presence of God. Anybody here to help me tonight? Amen. Here's the deal. I'm going to preach it anyway. Because I stood right over there and I said, God, let this cup pass from me. Let, uh, let somebody else say something. Let something else break out. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and told me, you've got the word for this church for tonight. So get up and preach it. I waited. Bishop, I waited a little bit longer just hoping I had heard it wrong. But I didn't hear it wrong. Thomas had been discipled 
by his culture. If I don't see it, I won't believe it. And so while the disciples were up here in the spirit, Thomas was down here because Thomas had been too absent when the presence of God moved in. You ought to be scared to death to miss a house of God. When the service is going on, you ought to say, God, whatever you're going to do to the church, do it in me. Whatever you're going to speak to the church, speak it to me. Whatever you're going to show them, show me. Because I don't want to be absent when my church gets taken to another level. I don't want to be sitting at home watching a ball game. I don't want to be laying out by a creek bank fishing. I don't want to be doing something insignificant and unimportant when the Holy Ghost moves into the room and takes the church to an... Oh, you don't want me to preach this. I know because you want to be comfortable and you want to be comfortable in missing out. But I've come to tell you that Thomas almost missed the greatest revelation that there ever was because he let the church advance without him. I don't know where he was. I don't know what Thomas was doing when Jesus walked into that room and met with Peter and all the other apostles. I don't know where he was at, but wherever he was at and whatever he was doing, it wasn't having the same impact on him as the presence of God was having on the disciples. Whatever he was doing, it didn't bring the benefit that being in the house with the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, I don't want to miss when God elevates the church and speaks a word. I don't want to miss it because I got somewhere else to be. And some, You don't want me to preach about faithfulness. I know you don't. But I've come to do it anyway. That God is calling us to be present. somebody to help me preach a little bit amen you might have to pinch yourself to wake yourself up but if that's what you got to do you ought to walk out of here with a bruise on your arm because you can't miss what God wants to do if you miss it you might miss it all Thomas almost missed everything because he was asleep or he was absent when Jesus came in you wonder why wonder why you miss a service or two or three or four or five or six or ten and then you come back and you don't feel comfortable anymore it's because you've missed growing time when Jesus stepped into the room like he did a little while ago Woo! hallelujah oh when he walks into the room everything changes like it did just a little bit ago while they were singing and the next thing you know the altar is filled with people reaching out to God because Jesus stepped in the power of God moved in the presence of God came into the room and he elevated the disciples but Thomas wasn't there to get a hold of it and so Thomas's faith is more like the culture than what it is the church and so he says this I will not Believe. In our text that we read tonight, there is a nobleman, the Bible just called him a certain nobleman, whose son was at the point of death. Remember at this time, Jesus is not famous. Multitudes are not following him. He's worked one miracle and one miracle only. After 18 years in obscurity, Jesus, just living in Nazareth, he shows up, he does one miracle at a wedding. And that's all. He's not famous yet. Multitudes aren't following him. People aren't leaving their countries to go and find the famous preacher from Galilee. His fame hasn't spread yet. He's only done the one miracle. But still, somebody that must have been at that wedding and saw the water turn into wine. Hallelujah. Somebody must have been there and watched him 
when his mother said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And she looks up at Jesus and he says, woman, oh God, what would have happened to me if I'd have said that to my mama? <laughs> Woo. I know one thing, I am not the Christ. <laughs> woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour's not yet come. It's not my time yet. I'm not supposed to be doing this. But now you put me on the spot. And so he tells the servants, bring, go fill the water pots up with water and bring them to me. And when they bring the water pots and they set them in front of him, he says, reach in and pull out. And they reached in expecting to pull out water. And when they poured it out, it was wine. But it wasn't just wine. It was the best wine of the entire party. And they knew at that point there's something different about this boy from Galilee. There's something different about this Jesus that he turned water into wine. And they left that wedding. And in their mind, there's something about Jesus. There's something about Jesus. There's, he, it's not like anything I've ever seen before. They had been present at the first miracle. And now they go back home and their neighbor, they get the news, my neighbor's child is about to die. Something's wrong, and it doesn't look like he's going to make it. The Bible used the term at the point of death. And somehow, it, while standing with this broken family, and they're watching as the last few moments of life are in that baby, in that boy, and they say, I heard of a man from Galilee the other day I was at a wedding and he turned water into wine and maybe if he can turn water into see there's something about being present when God moves into the room there's something about being present when the power of oh God Jesus I saw him turn water into wine he's not famous He's not popular. We don't know. He's not a celebrity yet. But I saw a miracle. And maybe if you can find Jesus. Look, this, we, never, we don't know the name. We don't know the name of the person that told this man about Jesus. We don't know if it was a woman, if it was a man, if it was a child. All we know is that somebody told him about Jesus in such a way that he said if he can turn water into wine, maybe, just maybe something can happen in my, if I can get him here. If I could just get him into the room, something can happen to my little boy. When he heard, oh God, somewhere out there, there's people whose lives are in chaos. Their families are broken. Their marriages are broken. Their children are estranged. Things have gone wrong. And all they're waiting for is somebody that had been in the presence of Jesus to tell them, if he did what I saw him do for me, he can do it for you too. It's not too late for your marriage. And it's not too late for your children. And it's not too late for your soul. I saw him turn water into wine. I saw him make a change. Oh, Jesus. I saw him change. I saw him change H2O. I saw him take two, two simple hydrogen atoms and one oxygen. And I saw him take a whole, a whole bunch of, of, of water and he completely changed its composition. It came in clear and it went out purple. It came in tasteless and it went out the best wine. If he can do that, then God wonder what he can do for you. And I'm telling you, there's people out there everywhere who need to know that Jesus can still change everything when he steps into the room. Oh, somebody ought to tell your neighbor, Jesus is the answer. You ought to tell your co-worker, God can fix it. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. There's two very brief things I want to say about this verse that stand out to me. Number one, there's a desperate father. There is nothing so desperate as a parent who needs a miracle. Yeah. 
When things were fine, the man never looked for Jesus. When things were healthy, the man never looked for Jesus. But now, in desperation, he's willing to go wherever he has to to find the man from Galilee that can turn water into wine. I submit to you that maybe the stuff that's going on in your life is not at all, is not at all sent to hurt you. It's to get you desperate enough to say, Jesus, whatever has to happen for you to turn my water into wine, Jesus, whatever has, the desperation. Uh, somewhere in here there's a marriage that's desperate enough to say God we'll, we've tried it our way but now I'm asking you to turn my water into one I need you there's something about somebody ought to cry out to him right now there's a healer in the house there's a miracle worker in the house there's a savior in the house my God I feel something here. I, I wish you felt like I felt I wish instead of staring at me, you'd say, preach to me, pastor. I need this word because I need my thinking to change. I need my mindset to change. There's no, perhaps there's no more powerful force in the human experience than that of desperation. Secondly, someone told this man about Jesus. We don't know who. Their name is lost to history. But they're the unnamed hero of the story that saw something in Jesus that they knew he could do something about this situation. There is so much idle talk in the world. There's so much negative talk in the world. There's so much bitterness and hatred in the world. But there needs to be people who talk about Jesus. When desperation meets hope, something powerful happens. This man is a nobleman reared in Greek philosophy. He is, he is of the upper crust. He has been educated in the philosophies of Greece. Raised to believe it when he sees it. I'll believe it when I see it. Aristotle told me to believe it when I see it. Plato told me to believe it when I see it. Socrates told me to believe it when I see it. He's raised and reared in the philosophies of his world. And his mindset is when I see it, I'll believe it. And so he goes to Jesus and he says, come down ere my child die. My son's at the point of death. I need you to come down and touch him. And Jesus, Jesus, not the smart aleck preacher, not the hotshot evangelist, Jesus. Jesus said, if you don't see it, you won't believe it. He rebukes the prevailing philosophy of the day. He says, people say, culture says. Now, that doesn't sound like the, the cuddly Jesus that I've raised. You know, I was raised with Jesus. You know, he had cotton balls for a beard. We glued them on ourselves. <laughs> it's a cuddly Jesus with the lamb over his shoulder and a, and a child on his lap. The man says, come down, my son. My child is at the point of death. And Jesus says, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Your philosophy has limited what I can do for you. Your mindset has set barriers on what I can do for your family. Basically what he said is if you don't throw out the mindset of your culture. And change it to a mindset of faith. You're going to be having a funeral by the end of the day. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Amen. Brother Joe, you're, you're the only one. Thank you. If you don't change the mindset that you've adopted from the prevailing philosophies of the day, you won't see your miracle because you can't think like the world and see the supernatural at the same time. 
You can't have a mind that's framed by a wicked culture and walk in miracle signs and wonders as well. You can't have the, um, the mindset of a century, of a, of a world that's lost its touch with God and still see miracle signs and wonders happen. You don't want to see. You can't see what I want to show you because your mind is stuck in how the world changes. Jesus said, if, if the, 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 Jesus said, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. He said, you, you, live, by the, you live by the mindset that seeing is believing. The man's not a theologian. He doesn't have an answer. But the Carson, he doesn't have a, a three-point response to Jesus. All he has is desperation. The nobleman said unto him, verse 49, Sir, come down. Ere my child die. I don't know about philosophy and I don't know about all this stuff. All I know is if you don't do something, I lose all hope. If you don't do something, my future's gone. If you don't do something, my heart's going to break. I don't have an answer for you about Greek philosophy, but all I know is I need you to do something for me tonight. Because if you don't do something for me tonight, my life might as well be over. I'm desperate. I need you. And Jesus somehow was touched by the desperation of this man. And he says, go thy way. Thy son liveth. But that's not the most important part of this passage. The next sentence is the most important part. And the man... Believe the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. I hadn't seen it, but I believe it. Where a minute ago he said, if you don't come down, it can't happen. Now something has transformed in him that he's willing to walk away from Jesus based on faith in what Jesus said. He said, okay, I believe it. And he turned and he walked away. And while he was walking... While he was walking on nothing but the word and faith in God, somebody was walking back the other way and said, your son has been healed. He's better. Something's happened. He said, when did it happen? He said, yesterday, about 7 o'clock, something changed. And he said, that's the moment that I believed. When his philosophy changed. When his mindset changed, everything changed. Can I tell you that the devil's not in charge of this world? Can I tell you that politicians aren't in charge of this world? Can I tell you the economy is not in charge of this world? The philosophy of this world can go out the window. But what we must have is faith in the word of God. I still believe for miracles. I might not see it, but I believe it. I'll see it when I believe it. I'll see it when I believe it. I'll see it when I believe it. Can I preach a few more minutes? I, got, I, got, I woke up this morning about 2.30 and couldn't go back to sleep. I've had something troubling me for weeks. I've been wrestling with it. Wake up in the night and it's all I can think about. I try to go back to sleep. I, I try to make myself think about stuff that will get my mind off of it and I can't. And so trust me, I'd rather be in bed than standing right here right now. But may I tell you that God wants to challenge some mindsets that we've adopted from the world that we live in. This negative, unbelieving, faithless society that we live in wants to dictate to your faith what you can and can't see, what your family can and can't have, what you can and can't do in the Holy Ghost. I've come to tell you the devil's a liar, this generation's a liar, this philosophy's a liar, and the word of God is truth. I've come to release somebody's mind to believe that he's still a miracle worker. He's still a deliverer. He's still a healer. 
Hey, I might not have seen it, but I believe it when I see it. When I release myself to have faith in the word, that's when it'll start to be. Can I tell you, there's some people, there's some people that aren't here right now that I got a vision of them years ago. I, I, Brother Azar, he was here this morning several years ago. I, I, was, I, was, I had flown to Beirut to preach. And, and, and when you do a lot of traveling, one of the worst things to do is to wake up in a hotel and not know where you're at. I woke up in a, in a hotel in Beirut, and I laid there, and I thought, for the life of me, I don't have a clue where in the world I am. I tried to think. I tried to figure it out. I couldn't get it. I laid there and I thought, Lord, I don't know where in the world I am. I do not know what I am, where I, I know what I am, but I don't know. I'm not that confused. I'm not as confused as this stupid generation we live in. They don't even know what they are. I know what I am. I just didn't know where I was. I'm laying there and I'm trying to figure out, Lord, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? In the world, where is Carmen San Diego? Where am I? Where's Waldo? Where, where's anybody? Where am I? And I'm laying there, and I'm looking around, and the next thing I know, I see a vision. And it's somebody that's been out of this church for years. And in my vision, I watched them as they walked right down that aisle, straight to this altar, and lifted their hands and started begging God to save their family. I hadn't seen it yet, but I believe it. No matter how much this world says it can't happen, I believe it. I'll see it when I believe it. Can I, can I take it a little bit further? There's some people in this room right now that I've already seen you praying back through to the Holy Ghost. In my vision, I've already seen you with your hands up being rebaptized and refilled with the Holy Ghost and reconnected to your purpose. I'll see it when I, what I'm trying to do is tell somebody, you've got to throw the mentality of this generation. It's not I believe. I'll see it when I believe it. It's I'll, be, I'll see it. I'll see it. It's not I'll believe. I'll believe it when I see it. It's not I'll believe it when I see it. I'm getting myself confused. It's not I'll believe it when I see it. It's God, I'll see it when I believe it. I've already seen it in my mind's eye. I've already seen backsliders coming back and praying through. I've already seen your babies, your children in the altar. I've already seen your grandchildren being rebaptized with the Holy Ghost. I've already seen some of you preaching another sermon after a long... I'm telling you, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it by faith. I haven't seen it with my natural eyes, but I'll see it when I believe it. I'm trying to get somebody's faith to connect with the supernatural. Twenty-eight years ago in May, I went to the country of Ethiopia for my very first missions trip. In that trip, I, I saw thousands of healings and miracles. I saw thousands receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. With my own eyes, I saw crippled lim limbs straighten out. I saw the deaf healed. I prayed a young lady, a deaf, mute young lady in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, through to the Holy Ghost. The first words she ever spoke were in tongues. I saw a mute filled with the Holy Ghost. I saw people carried in on stretchers, walk out healed and carry their stretchers under their arm by the power of God. I was in an outdoor service where tens of thousands of people were gathered together, and I saw the Holy Ghost fall in waves over the course of that afternoon. It started on the left side, and it went across, and in that day, they counted over 3,000 filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, hundreds and hundreds of miracles. The next week, I got in, I got in on a Wednesday night. That next Monday, I was preaching a youth camp in Louisiana. And I, my faith was so high, my faith was so high, I started preaching that can't mean I believe God could do anything. And in that service, there was a deaf mute boy, and he got baptized in Jesus' name. 
and in a horse trough on the campground platform. They came and got my microphone and held it over that horse trough as this deaf mute boy was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues over the loudspeaker to over a thousand young people. Dozens filled with the Holy Ghost and dozens of miracles all over that place. Man, when that week was over, my faith was even higher. I went to General Conference in Little Rock the next year, the next week, I'm sorry. I got home from the camp on Saturday. On Monday, we left and went to General Conference in Little Rock. I was riding about a three-week high from seeing God do miraculous, miraculous things. I, and, and over that week, I had lunch with an elder minister. And I was excitedly telling him about the girl that got the Holy Ghost, the, the deaf, mute girl that got the Holy Ghost. And the man that picked up his, stre his stretcher and walked out. And I told him about the boy that crawled across the field with his mangled leg dragging in the mud as he crawled on his one good knee and pulled with his hands to get to church. And then later on, I watched as that leg straightened out and he started jumping up and down on two good legs, worshiping God. And I told him about the deaf mute that got the Holy Ghost in Louisiana. And I told him about the miracles that I saw. And when I was expecting him to say, man, that's awesome. He said, I don't believe it. It deflated my spirit. It knocked the wind out of my sails. That man punched me in the gut of my faith. I loved him till the day he died. He was a dear friend. But on that day, he crushed my spirit. And I made up my mind that day that I'm never going to crush the faith of a young person that wants to see something from God. I've come to tell this generation of apostolics that have been bred in the mentality and the philosophy that science is everything and God is nothing. I've come to stand and pro boldly proclaim that there is a real power of faith unleashed in the church of the living God. And if you'll believe it, you can see it. If you'll believe for revival, you can see it. If you'll believe for miracles, I wish somebody, I wish somebody's faith would connect with what I'm preaching right. There's another level of the miraculous. There's another level of revival. I'll see it when I believe it. Oh, lift your hands all over this place. Oh God. Lord, I believe. Lord, I, come on, you ought to just confess it with your mouth. Lord, I believe. I believe you're still the same God of the book of Acts. You're still the same God of the pages of my Bible. You're still the same God that turned water into wine, that healed the sick, that raised up that little boy. You're the same God that healed an issue of blood. You're the same God that walked on water. You're the same God that calmed the storm. You're the same God. Lord, you haven't failed. You haven't changed. You have, I wish somebody's faith would say, I believe. There are realms of revival and spiritual power that are not accessed by a, a mentality that says I have to see it to believe it. There are some things you'll never attain, some things you'll never see, some things you'll never walk in if you have to see it first. There must be a level of faith that sees things in the spiritual realm before they're manifested in the natural world. Faith is like the fisherman that hooks something in the unseen depth of the water and then by faith reels it into his boat. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence. 
of things not seen. My faith accesses the miraculous. My faith accesses miracles. My faith accesses revival. My faith accesses breakthrough. My faith accesses the glory of God. For whatsoever, John 5 and 4, stand with me. John 5 and 4. So, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Whatever God births in your spirit is more powerful than whatever's in this world. And this is the victory. Everybody say victory. That overcometh the world. Even our faith. Peter, put your sword away. You can't win this that way. You got to access it by faith. Faith, faith, faith. We know who all us old people are. Faith, you don't know that one, do you? You do? Welcome to being old. You don't know it, do you? Now see? Whippersnapper. Faith, faith, faith. Just a little bit of faith. All you oldies need to help me out. I'm on. You hear that? Could you tell what they said? Can you hear us old people? You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you've got. Faith, faith, faith. Just a little bit of faith. Brother Carson and I was preaching in Manila, Philippines, dedicating Brother Maluna's church. And, and, and somehow, Brother Steve, somehow, those Filipinos fell in love with heavy metal guitar music. And I'd preach. It was hotter than the devil down there. I mean, it was so hot. I'm ringing wet with sweat. All I brought were suits. And, you know, they all wear those little those shirts, you know. And, and there's not a shirt in a store in the Philippines that fits me. It's like wearing a halter top, and I won't do it. And you shouldn't do it either. There's nothing worse than an old woman trying to look like a young girl. Grow up, act your age, and put some clothes on. I'm still preaching. <laughs> Somehow, we had about 20 kids in that altar that needed the Holy Ghost at that youth camp. And man, they're praying. And the next thing you know, Brother Ariel Malunez strikes up that guitar and gets that amp going. And they're singing, faith, faith, faith. Except they're singing it like, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Faith, 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 just a little. You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you got. Yeah, like that. Air guitar. It was blowing my eardrums out. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. And my Lord, next thing you know, people are getting the Holy Ghost over here and over here and over here and over here. And for an hour, for an hour they sang that song to heavy metal. And then they got tired of that one, they changed songs. You're not going to believe I'm telling the truth, but I promise I'm telling the truth. It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling, heavy metal. It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. Look, if some of us would get our mind off the music and off the words and we just worship God and release our faith, you could release your faith in this place tonight and you could walk out with your miracle. You could walk out with your breakthrough. You could walk, it's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. 
Some folks don't understand it, but you can't keep it quiet. It bubbly, bubbly, bubbly. And it's heavy. And my God, the Holy Ghost fell. And people started getting miracles. And signs and wonders started happening. Because it was a release of faith into that place. Let me tell you, when your breakthrough comes, your breakthrough comes when you believe it before you see it. time for one more story I was in I was in the Himalayan mountains in Nepal four or five years ago they had this little brother Brad it was a little bamboo shack about 20 feet wide and about 30 feet long we we drove out there for an hour it took us an hour to drive out to that site then we hiked the last five minutes we sat there drinking some bottled water and before long, all the church people, they had walked that entire way. They get there because this is the first service in a brand new church. They're going to start a church in this village. And I looked around and there was no village. It was a shack and a bunch of trees and undergrowth and jungle. And they got that old drum out. And they just started singing something. I don't know what it was. Namaste, whatever. I don't know what they were, but whatever they were singing, they were having a good time with that drum. And I watched, and coming down little dirt trails out of those mountains, people started coming down to see what the noise was. They filled the room. The head lady, the head lady was like 90 years old. Her faith, her face looked like leather. They don't have oil of Olay and all that other mess that I have to buy by the bucket load off Sheen or wherever it is. I don't know where we get all this mess from. Bath and body, whatever. She worked hard out in that weather her whole life. Creases. You could put coins in it. And she, she wanted a church in her village. And so they built it. And they started beating that drum and people started coming down these little dirt pathways out of these mountains and up across creeks and stuff. And before long, that little room was filled with people. And I preached. I couldn't tell you what I preached. I don't know what I preached. But I know when I got done preaching, they started praying. And in a place where there were no houses to be seen, they were just out there in those hills somewhere. Eighteen people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that one service. You say, well, I don't believe it. Well, fine, then you'll never see it. Well, I don't believe that happens. Well, fine, you'll never see it then. But I'll tell you what, I believe it, and I believe it, that I'll see it. I believe I'll see it happen right here. I believe I'll see it again. Anybody got something you need God to do? Anybody got something been weighing on your spirit, weighing on your heart, weighing on your mind, and the devil's whispered in your ear, it can't happen, those days are gone. Anybody whispered in you, my marriage is hopeless. My children are hopeless. My health situation is anybody. Am I preaching to anybody at all? My, my grandkids will never get the Holy Ghost. My children will never come back to God. My, 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 babe, my mom and dad will never come to this church. Anybody got something you need to bring to the altar? I'm going to tell you, you need to bring it seeing it. You need to bring it seeing it. Anybody need a breakthrough? You ought to come to the altar with your hands lifted and say, God, I'll see it. Because I believe it. Come on, I'm not going to whip you up into an emotional frenzy anymore. I'm going to have you come and just lift your hands and activate your faith and say, God, I believe it. I'll see it. Oh, come on, tell him, Lord, I believe it. I believe it. I see it, Lord. I see my breakthrough coming. I see my miracle coming. I see my family coming. I see my children coming. I see my grandchildren on their way. I see my deliverance. I see my home being set free. I see it. This is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. I release my faith. God, I pray the gift of faith to operate right now. I pray the work of faith 
in this place, in somebody's heart, in somebody's spirit. The devil is a liar. You will get your joy back. The devil is a liar. You will get your victory. The devil is a liar. You can have the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody ought to shout for joy right now. You ought to shout not because you see it, but because you believe it. your daddy's name out right now and say my daddy will get the Holy Ghost you ought to call out your mama's name you ought to call out your child's name in Jesus name I'll see it because I believe it there's an activation there's an activation there's a mindset there's a philosophical change happening in somebody right now By faith, I'm dedicating somebody's future baby. By faith, I'm dedicating somebody's future baby. That the doctor said it can't happen. But the devil is a liar. I'll see it because I believe it. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm rejoicing for a prodigal coming home. I'm rejoicing.
faith over somebody close to you. Amen. You don't have to know what's going on in their life, but pray for their faith. The man told Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Faith is not an emotion. So tomorrow, when despair tries to rear its ugly head again, and you don't feel the thump of the bass guitar and the drum, and you don't hear the run on the ivories or the voice of these good people, and you're all by yourself, and you're tempted to say, what I got last night must not have been real. That's when your faith kicks in and says, the devil is a liar. I know in whom I have believed. It's not an emotion. It's not an emotion. Especially all you young ones that can. We need help moving those rocks. We're going to try to move them at 6 o'clock. We'll try to form uh, where we're going to put the concrete. There'll be some work going on inside. And we're going to try to get as much of that done as we can tomorrow night. And, uh, and, and, and also, we're going to receive the evening offering. And so if you got to go back to your purse to get it, do like Judas. What you do, do quickly. Amen. But bring your offering. And after you've brought your offering, you can be dismissed. If you don't bring an offering, we'll see you Wednesday night. you got to stay.